AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app, it's Monday. It's January 22nd, doing a deep dive into the look of the NFL Divisional Weekend. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today. We'll make room for you if you'd like to chime in about your thoughts on NFL Divisional Weekend. 12.15 or so is when we'll take phone calls. The number 602-260-1060 to chime in. Let's reset the scene with today's poll questions, though, and get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. In regards to the Bills, will the Bills and Josh Allen ever get over the postseason hump? And the masses, as this continues to load, um, or maybe not load. I'm not sure. It's the circling wheel of death, and we have an answer. No, at 74% of the vote. Yes is sitting at 26%. So this is certainly uh, grown on the no side of things. We'll officially answer it around 1230 today. Over on I thought I was the circling wheel of death for you, not, not, the, not the poll question. No, no, you, uh, you are a notch, several notches above that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. It is a very good thing. <laughs> okay. Over on X at KDOS AM 1060, should the 49ers be concerned about Brock Purdy's shaky performance in the rain against the Packers? Yes, leading the way at 52.6% of the vote. No trailing at 47.4%. That's another question that we'll answer around 1230 today. Let's continue the Chiefs and the Bills conversation. The Chiefs pull out the win 27-24. We were dissecting Josh Allen's performance uh, at the end of hour number one. Sliding into some of the other things that took place, though, on the Bills side of things. A very weird moment, and therefore a subsequent sequence of events unfolded here. With the Bills going for it on fourth down with a fake punt on fourth and five from their own 30-yard line with 12.49 to play. The score at that point in time was 27-24. Tony Romo had mentioned on the broadcast that the Chiefs only had 10 players out there, uh, but they never showed it again for for me to actually see it for myself uh, to say, yeah, there were were 10 players out there. Um, There were, and it was confirmed after the game that uh, somebody in the uh, offensive formation, when they, they noticed there was 10 guys, they immediately went for the fake. Uh, But then the Chiefs being in great field position right there. They give the ball to McCole Hardman. He tries to extend, ends up fumbling the ball out of the bat, uh, out of the end zone, so they score no points, and the ball ends up going back to the Buffalo Bills. But then the Bills, with this particular bl- break, uh, they end up going three and out, and then, as we had discussed, ended up settling for that 44-yard field goal by Tyler Bass uh, that was wide right in their last possession of the game. Yeah, out of all that sequence of the fake punt and uh, you know the you know the the Chiefs with the Hardman play, to me the biggest uh, the biggest problem I had was Andy Reid. 
I mean, you know, Bacheco is just dominating when he gets the ball, which he probably didn't get the ball enough, quite frankly. They didn't have that many snaps, actually, compared to the Bills, obviously. But, yeah, I just don't understand. You, you're, he's run the ball down the two-yard line. Just give it to him again because the Bills weren't going to stop him. And you've got to do this trick play crap. Uh, and I know Andy Reid's won Super Bowls, and he's you know, a great play caller, whatever. But he all these little gadgets and these trick plays that he tries to do inside the ten yard line drive me nuts. You don't have to do that, then. No, that's that's a hundred percent correct. Especially you're in this moment and you're in this game, um, and you've kind of identified Isaiah Pacheco as having the success that he was having. Also, Travis Kelsey was having a very good game. Uh, Rasheed Rice has kind of emerged, if you will. Uh, so there were plenty of other players that could have had success in that particular moment. But just give the ball to Pacheco until they stop him, which they didn't really ever. On the Bills' side of things, uh, before we get to the Chiefs here, they have some questions. Uh, like, what are they going to do with some key free agents? You have wide receiver Gabe Davis. You have safety Micah Hyde. You have defensive end uh, Leonard Floyd. Linebacker Terrell Dodson. Cornerback Dane Jackson. Safety Taylor Rapp. Defensive tackle Jordan Phillips. So those are some key free agents. But I also think what's been yeah. identified at this point, too, is that you need to take a good look at the wide receiver group. You need somebody that's going to be able to stretch the field. You need a few more playmakers uh, just in that wide receiver room in general. Well, and this may not all matter uh, at all because at least according to the uh, network insiders that understand the salary cap, they're in salary cap hell. And what can they actually do? Uh, so we'll see. Uh, they've got lots of you know, guys to replace. They've got guys who you assume they're going to come back from key injuries this year. Um, obviously, uh, they have three guys on defense right off the top of my head. Uh, we fall into that category. I think there's more questions. I probably said the same thing last year on the same day, right? <laughs> After the, the, the Bills got eliminated by the Bengals in the same weekend at home. But I think that this you know, the window is shutting for sure. I'll go get into this more in the, when we get to the poll question, but – it just, I don't know what they can do. I mean, then again, yeah, we've seen teams that we thought were in salary cap hell and have figured out how to work their way around it and can have been contenders again the next year, surprisingly. But it seems as if, if I'm you know, reading uh, what I hear yesterday, uh, in actually last week, in fact, some on ESPN, what are they going to do in the off? Whenever the offseason started for the Bills, is what I heard last week, whenever it starts, what can they do in the offseason because of their salary cap situation that seems to be pretty dire? For the Chiefs here, they got Travis Kelsey involved, something that we thought was going to take place with the Bills' uh, injuries situation to their linebacking positions. He had five catches, 75 yards, two touchdowns. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he had two huge catches. He hung on to the football, yep. two for 62 yards. Rasheed Rice, uh, four catches, 47 yards. And as you mentioned, Pacheco uh, did what, he thought he, what we thought he was going to do, 15 carries, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, you mentioned Rice. He had to lead this game twice because of injury, and there seemed to be some concern after the game about uh, whether he'll, he's okay. Uh, but we definitely know that they've got some key injuries here, though. The Joe Tooney thing is a really big deal with the pec injury. 
Uh, he has been uh, the three interior offensive linemen. He's been their best guy for the majority of this season. So uh, certainly we'll hear about that, I assume, a lot during the week. Willie Gay left this game early. Uh, with an, he aggravated his neck injury, which he actually had before the game. And then also lost Mike Edwards, a key defensive back, to a concussion. So those are three really important players for them heading into the game against Baltimore. I want to give the Chiefs defense some props here. They only allowed seven points in the second half after they allowed 17 in the first half. This just kind of follows what they've done during the season. They've only allowed seven points per game in the second half this season. They allowed seven, half, seven points in the second half yesterday. They still haven't allowed more than 30. They haven't allowed 30 points in any game this year. And in this day and age of the NFL, that's pretty, uh, you know, pretty impressive. You know, even the Ravens have allowed at least 30 points in one game, I can remember. Uh, so we'll see what's up with that. But uh, I think that there's uh, some interesting uh, things. An injury thing is really something I'm going to be monitoring, and I'm sure others during the week. Uh, the bottom line is the Chiefs. This was only their second win this season against a playoff opponent. They've been the last two weeks. <laughs> That's a good thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't think we need to sit here and talk about how good Patrick Mahomes is. But here would be a Patrick Mahomes stat, Kayla. I'm ready. 9-1-1 uh, nine, nine, one one against the spread in his career as an underdog. Uh, and they're an underdog this upcoming week. The Chiefs, they were one of five on third down. The Bills were seven of 14 on third down. Uh, you mentioned the defense, no that's sacks. For, that's not very many third downs. You know, the, 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 the total number, the lack thereof on third down for the Chiefs, I think, tells you what they did on first and second down. Yeah, exactly. That tells the narrative right there. Uh, no sacks for the Chiefs defense. However, you talked about the really timely pressures that they were able to get and just their overall game plan, especially in that second half. They they really seem to either uh, have a better understanding of what the Bills were trying to do on offense and making those adjustments that, you know, some people say, no, no second half adjustments ever take place. Other people say, yes, second half adjustments take place. Regardless, they were the dominating unit out there in the second half. Also, I think uh, Harrison Butker continues to showcase that he is such an asset for the Chiefs in his ability to kick in cold weather. No doubt about that, for sure. I'll just add a couple of things. I do believe in halftime adjustments, especially for certain coaches. And Steve Spagnolo is certainly the guy that uh, falls into this category, whether, you know, whether he's with the Giants or the Rams or whether he's been with the Chiefs. He seems to excel at that. And I mentioned those second-half numbers, uh, only seven points per game allowed on this season. Uh, during the second half for the Chiefs, and a lot of that has to do with, I think, has to do with the halftime adjustments. One final thing on this game: there were three punts in the entire game. The uh, Chiefs punted once, the Bills punted twice. The Bills are probably happy that they punted twice because clearly Martin shouldn't even been active. He should, he was not healthy enough to actually participate, and he had a two two punts that worked great. The second one uh, flipped field position, and that made a big difference. Yeah, I couldn't believe. I mean, they brought in Matt Hawk. Uh, he was on the practice squad, and they yeah. released him. I, I don't know why, yeah. because, yeah, he was clearly injured. Well, they obviously you know, thought he was healthy enough to go, and maybe he was, but, you know, that's a, you know, that's a, you know, that made a difference in the game, in my opinion. 
Uh, we'll get some takeaways from the overall weekend, if you will. So we'll do that on the other side of the break. Also, there was history made on the PGA Tour. We'll dissect into some potpourri of topics. And your phone calls, if you'd like to join the program, 602-260-1060 is the number. 602-260-1060. We'll get to your phone calls in the next segment. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the kdos1060 app but 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in and give your overall impressions of nfl divisional weekend that's all happening here in the extra point downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. Twelve twenty here on this Monday, January 22nd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you in the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Right now, a couple of different uh, cool prizes available for you with uh, listener rewards with the KDOS 1060 app. So first up, if you haven't already done so, download it. Apple Android users, you can go to the uh, respective stores and download the KDOS. KDOS 1060 app. Then you need to sign up so we know who you are so we can uh, uh, properly give you the prize that you win. Uh, after that, here, get yourself eligible for sixth row hoops tickets. Downtown Phoenix uh, food and drink is included with all of that. That contest ends the end of January. Also, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, it's coming back. Uh, there's some big names that are already signed up and ready to go for the tournament. General admission tickets are available with the KDOS 1060 app. But as promised, phone call time, 602-260-1060. We're popping on out to the KDOS hotline right now. Chuck in Sun City, what's on your mind today? Hi, good morning, Kayla. Well, I guess I'm the only one on earth who thinks that the Packers let McCaffrey score there. It was third and one from the six with a minute and 10 seconds left. If they get just a first down there, any somewhere between the six and, and the goal line, they can burn up all the time and the other team's timeouts. And, uh, uh, well, I guess that's my, uh, that's my argument. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's possible. Uh, but, you know, in the end, it didn't work out uh, because Jordan Love threw, and he called it himself, that you can't make that mistake. In, in the NFL, throw the ball away there at that point and give yourself an opportunity to uh, see another down. And that interception was on first down. Yeah, it was. It, you had plenty of time left to, to try to do something there. So, uh, I mean, you know, Christian McCaffrey, he's he's very good. I don't know that you know, there is always that rule of thought uh, that you, you can let them score to give yourself an opportunity on offense. But regardless there, uh, the 49ers were able to come back and, and Brock Purdy was able to uh, lead them down after a struggling struggling game before that. All right. Well, thank you. Have a good show. 
602-260-1060 is the number if you would like to chime in. Some other takeaways from the NFL Divisional Weekend here. I found Sunday's games to be incredibly intense, and overall it was a pretty fun weekend of football after kind of a lackluster uh, super wild card weekend. I think the divisional round delivered. Absolutely. It normally does. And also, as I mentioned a couple times last week, including on Friday, uh, the divisional round, you have two teams, obviously, that now have a bye. But if you go back the last now 11 years, these are the updated numbers. Uh, the uh, home teams last Saturday uh, Saturday and Sunday were 3-1 and one straight up. And the home teams are now 32-11 and 11 straight up the last 11 years. Patrick Mahomes is now uh, going to be playing in six straight AFC championship games. That's every year since he's been a starter in the NFL. That's pretty darn impressive stuff right there. I mean, yeah, you have to have the team around you. Also, Patrick Mahomes seems to have some sort of element, though, to continue to elevate his play in postseason play. Yeah, and uh, he did it on the road, <laughs> but he has to do it on the road again. Can he do it on the road a second time? And actually, technically a third time, because he did win the Super Bowl against Tampa. Uh, lost, excuse me, lost the Super Bowl in Tampa, but uh, that was a road game. So that was a. Uh, and but there wasn't a full full crowd because of the COVID year. So. There were some fans in that stadium, but it wasn't a full stadium. Speaking of uh, Tampa and just Brady and Gronk, Mahomes and Kelsey and that connection now have 16 touchdowns in the playoffs, which passed Brady and Gronk, who were sitting at 15. Did not know that. Well, there we go. Uh, the 49ers, okay. we previously mentioned, uh, they are now going to be competing in their fourth championship game in the past five seasons. So when we're also talking about just kind of a model of consistency here, the 49ers have certainly been that uh, in the NFC championship games, putting yourselves in position to get it done. Uh, now with Brock Purdy, previously they've had other quarterbacks in there, but uh, not always being able to punch their ticket to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and the fact that they got there with Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, they should just put, uh, you know, they should put Kyle Shanahan in the Hall of Fame just for that. <laughs> well, that'll uh, conclude some of the little potpourri of things for the NFL side. I want to pay uh, a little bit of attention here to the American Express on the PGA Tour. We had said that this tournament tends to yield long shots to win, and boy, did a long shot win here. <laughs> Is you probably even I know about it. Yeah, you probably didn't yeah. have this on your bingo card with amateur Nick Dunlap going out and winning. That's right. I said amateur Nick Dunlap, sophomore at Alabama. He shoots 29 under par, and uh, he makes a clutch putt up and down as well on 18 to get it done. He's the first amateur to win on the PGA Tour since Phil Mickelson did it back in 1991. Uh, now the question here for Nick Dunlap, he has options. He has plenty of options available to him now. Uh, does he turn pro? Does he go back to Alabama? First up, because he's uh, he's pretty darn good, he won the U.S. Amateur. So that with his victory of the U.S. Amateur, he then received an invitation to the Masters. So he's in the Masters regardless if he turns pro or not. The thing for him now is if he accepts uh, turning pro, he then gets an exemption onto the PGA Tour through 2026. And because he has won, 
He now gets into the seven remaining signature events on the PGA Tour, which if you remember all the different things that have changed on the PGA Tour, I know it's difficult to keep track of it. Uh, They have limited fields in these signature events, no cut events, so you're guaranteed money. These purses grew to at least $20 million. So if he turns pro, he gets to play in those this season. If he doesn't turn pro, I'm not sure that he gets into those signature events, but regardless, he would have his tour card through 2026. So there's definitely uh, things available to him and things to think about for him uh, turning professional or not. Our guy. Okay, I have one quick. I have one quick question here. Yeah. Um, you know, normally, normally I gotta, gotta chime in when I think I have something pertinent here. Hopefully, this is pertinent. Uh, first up, I don't know if there's a transfer portal in college golf, but if he went to Alabama, right? Or he's going to Alabama. That's correct. Uh, every all their football players are leaving. Uh, <laughs> between the uh, transfer portal and their incoming recruits, they've had 30 players since Nick Saban retired. 30 plus players. They either enter the portal or have decided that they're not going to Alabama coming out of high school. So maybe this guy will just follow suit. So like I said, I can't help myself. I think so that's the go. transfer that's... portal for him. Turn pro. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that, that's good. That would seem to be a good idea. But uh, it's unbelievable. This gives me a chance to get the Alabama thing in here. <laughs> but it, it's amazing how many defections there have been. Guys that aren't even there yet aren't going to go to Alabama now because of Saban's departure. Well, how about, are you excited for this one? Five-star quarterback uh, Jalen Sayan is now picking Ohio State, and he's going to be rejoining or joining for the first time Bill O'Brien, but Bill O'Brien apparently was a a large part of his early recruitment process to Alabama. He was. Ohio State's done an amazing job of recovering from the dismal bowl performance uh, against, uh, against Missouri. Uh, however, they've got they've got all these recruits, and they've you know they've got they've they've got the, actually one of the the top defensive back in the country this year is a freshman, the top freshman defensive back in the country who went to Alabama, is now you know transferring. He says he's transferring to Ohio State. However, they've added quarterbacks. They've added a really good recruiting class. They've flipped recruits from other schools in high school. They're going to go to college starting next year. Their offensive line still sucks. They've done nothing to improve their offensive line since the end of last year when it was bad from day one, which I said before the season started. So I know they've got 100 defensive backs now, which is great because that was a real problem for many years. They've got you know tons of running backs. They've got two incoming quarterbacks who are considered to be amongst the best freshmen, uh, incoming freshmen in college football. Their offensive line still sucks. Uh, so you're not feeling the Seth McLaughlin transfer to Ohio State? That's a guy that couldn't snap the ball for the entire season in Alabama. That's correct, yes. He, he, the whole year he had to work on this and never got better at it. So, great. Now, I wish they would have got the right tackle from Alabama who transferred to Iowa over the weekend. That would have been great. I don't know if he accidentally – uh, revealed maybe some tampering there. He was being interviewed. I, th- I think he was at a basketball game, and he was being interviewed about uh, his decision to come back to Iowa. Um, and he mentioned something about how they were constantly reaching out to him and giving him encouragement, even when he was struggling in the SEC. And that made him feel really good. So I don't know. There's probably going to be a 
uh, uh, discussion point or investigation about that? Yeah, it's, I have no idea how all that works. I think that's a legitimate question, though. I mean, if I didn't know about all the uh, tampering things or you know the alleged tampering things, uh, so you know the fact that Al- that uh, you know, that Iowa got anybody on offense that is capable of doing something at some point of his life, that's a step up for Iowa football. Briefly, just want to go back to finishing up the PGA Tour thing. Our guy Minwoo, no, that's okay. That. We had plenty of things to get into <laughs> with Alabama. Uh, our guy Minwoo Lee, he, ah, Minwoo, he finished tied for twenty first, and we needed him to finish in the top twenty. Uh, twenty under par for the week. It was yet again another one of these. Uh, just you really have to uh, put the ball off the cover and uh, make tons and tons of birdies. Our long shot, Steven Yeager, he finished bogey par double bogey to just tumble down the leaderboard. He was in the mix all weekend long until that took place. Some notables, Xander Shoffley and Justin Thomas finishing a tie for third at minus 27. Scotty Scheffler tied for 17th at minus 21. Tony Finau tied for 25th at minus 19. And Patrick Cantlay tied for 52nd at minus 15. So those uh, are the events shaking out on the PGA Tour. The Phoenix Suns, they picked up another win last night, 117 to 110 over the Pacers. They've now won five in a row. For the Pacers, though, there was no Tyrese Halliburton. Pascal Siakam did play, 6 of 14, 7 assists for him, 4 rebounds, 15 points. Kevin Durant led the way with 40 points, 18 of 25, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, and 3 blocks. Nurkic fouled out in just 19 minutes of total playing time, but he had 4 points and 13 rebounds. Booker was had 26 points, 9 of 24, though, from the floor after his 52-point uh, night uh, in New Orleans on Friday. Bradley Beal, 25 points, 11 of 16. But the Suns winning five in a row. They host the Bulls tonight before they start a seven-game road trip. Yeah, to me, last night was meaningless. I mean, you know, Halliburton and obviously uh, – you know, there were a lot, you know, Siakam had foul problems. You know, it seemed like they, I didn't watch this game until like the end because I was watching the, uh, the, uh, the Bills and the Chiefs game. Then I was watching the Bills and the Chiefs post game. Uh, but when I finally got to the Suns, pretty much uh, all the big guys had fouled out at that point. And, uh, but, you know, the fact that uh, Halliburton is one of the five best players this year in the NBA was taking a rest because it was a load management night for them. So I didn't. I think there's not much to pay attention to there. But I have actually thought Friday night uh, was the Suns' best moment of the season, specifically the first half. Not because Booker scored a thousand points. We've seen that before, but we saw the Suns play their best defense of the season, uh, which we haven't seen really at any point of the season. And this was against a good offense, which had its all, all its offensive weapons. They had everybody offensively. You know, they had a couple guys that are defensive specialists, the Pelicans that didn't play, but they had all their offensive guys, and the Suns in the first half did a really good job defensively, a spectacular job defensively, no matter whether, you know, whatever standard you want to use, whatever team. That was a team that's good on defense on a regular basis would have been proud of that first-half performance. And uh, the second half, the game was out of hand, so I really don't care that they slipped some in the second half. But if the Suns occasionally, just occasionally, play with the the defensive uh, efficiency and effectiveness and intensity 
that they did in the first half of that game, they would not the, the, the their defense would not be a constant source of criticism like every game seemingly from me or others for that matter. The Suns, as I mentioned, hosting the Bulls tonight, 7 p.m. on 3TV. The seven-game road trip includes uh, games against Dallas at Indiana, at Orlando, at Miami, then at Brooklyn, at Atlanta, and at Washington. So other than uh, the Dallas Mavericks to get things started, everything else is against Eastern Conference opponents. As for the Bradley Bradley Buell homecoming game. I wonder (laughs) how that's going to go. He's going to try to score 1,000 points in that game. You know, Get a, get a prop bet. There you go, Kayla. Prop bet. There we go. Whatever, you know, well, but the odds makers, you know, we're not the only people that realize this. <laughs> the number's going to be high, but do you bet it over anyway? I would say I'm not as glued into the NBA prop market as I am with the NFL prop market. But yes, uh, narrative wise, you would think he's going to be uh, given the rock and do something with it. Yeah, I hear all these revenge angles and all these guys playing, especially in football season. It's a revenge game for this guy. And you need a whole lot more help from, you know, 10 guys on the side, your side of the ball to get revenge. In the NBA, if you're a really good offensive player, you can kind of determine your own revenge to some extent. That is true. Uh, the NBA West standings here: the Timberwolves are at 30 and 12, the Thunder 29 and 13, the Nuggets 30 and 14, the Clippers 27 and 14, the Pelicans 25 and 18, the Mavs 24 and 17, the Suns sitting at 24 and 18. Despite uh, winning five in a row, they're still sitting there in seventh place. The Kings 23 and 18, the Lakers 22 and 22, and the Jazz 22 and 22. So that's where one quick thing here: the television networks have got to be begging that. Minnesota and Oklahoma City are not going far in the playoffs. That that would be a disaster ratings-wise. Yeah, one, they're not coming from large markets, and two, yeah, uh, yeah. The, I mean, Shea Gildas Alexander, though, for for the Thunder and Chet Holmgren, oh, yeah. uh, you know, they've got some names at least on the on their roster. Uh, the Timberwolves with Anthony Edwards, as well yeah. as. Um, uh, he's always Carl Anthony Towns. It was like he's always being talked right. about being traded here. But yeah, I, I think you're right there that those narratives oh. and those storylines not as enticing as uh, the Clippers or or the uh, Lakers, right? The NBA conspiracy theory people are already having their you know, wheels turning in their alleged brains. <laughs> it's poll question time, and we get to it next here in the extra point. Gottlieb Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. here on KDOS AM 1060. It is Monday. It is January 22nd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until one o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And it's time to get into the poll questions. Let's get things started with the KDOS 1060.com poll question. Will the Bills and Josh Allen ever get over the postseason hump? The bottom line is no. Um, I think yesterday, yet another example. Yeah, I bought into the Bills one year. All these years run together now. I don't remember specifically which one it was. I think it was the year that they played at Kansas City, and then they gave up the the infamous 13-second game. Uh, But I bought in one year, 
I've not been dumb enough to get sucked in since, and I'm certainly not going to change my mind now. And Josh Allen certainly played really well into the fourth quarter yesterday. You know, he's lucky that he didn't lose the game on the fumble uh, when Ken Cade made just a tremendous play to deflect the ball away from the uh, from the Chiefs defender, and the Bills recovered. Uh, you know, and I'm not really blaming him for the uh, the pass to, you know, to Shakir in the end zone because he got crushed and you know, basically got stepped on by his left tackle on that play. But I am blaming him for not taking the obvious check down to you know to to, to uh, you know once again Kincaid on the third down play. No, it was the second down play. Sorry, second down play. Then he uh, that was the third down. That was the third down play. Sorry, the third down play. And then, you know, he, instead of uh, you know, taking the obvious check down and getting closer to make, making the field goal, uh, he tried for the home run play and threw the ball down the field, and that was incomplete. Uh, I'm just tired of seeing this. And, you know, there was a massive argument on uh, whatever the Mike Greenberg show that starts the, you know, it's on like 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock on our time on uh, ESPN. Get yeah, get up. There you go. You know, I should know that because I'm like trying to get up at that point. <laughs> Good name for a show. Uh, but there was a massive argument between Ryan Clark and Orlasky this morning. And, you know, between Tony Romo and Dan Orlasky, no quarterback has ever made a bad play or ever done anything wrong or no, whatever. You know, Ryan Clark on the other side tells the truth. And, yeah, he was, you know, no, it was, he wasn't bashing Josh Allen, but he pointed out a couple of the things that I mentioned and more. Uh, that you know, I just can't, I don't, I can't believe in Josh Allen when it actually matters the most. Whether it's one play, and he did a lot of really good things yesterday. Also, thought that the J, Joe Brady's play calling in the second half yesterday sucked. Uh, I would also, if I'm an, if I'm looking for him as my head coach, I'd really be concerned if, about the second half play calling in that game yesterday. Uh, they were running the ball with success in the first half. They had 124 yards rushing in the first half. And they had 17 first downs in the first half. Second half, six, uh, they had, uh, excuse me, uh, yes, the second half they had seven first downs and less than, uh, you know, like 50 yards rushing. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, unfortunately. Here we go. Uh, 50, they had 58 yards rushing in the second half. They just didn't try it. I mean, the Chiefs never really stopped them from running the ball consistently. And they kept chucking it with Allen when they didn't have to uh, throw all these things together. And then their defense and the salary cap situation. Uh, I, don't, I would never say that the window is closed on them yet at this point. But it, it's, uh, I, I would be really, really, really surprised. I think that uh, they're not going to get over the hump. I just don't think. A, yeah, I'm not totally saying that the window is closed, but I would be really surprised at this point. They've had, you know, last two years they've lost home playoff games in this round of the playoffs. I, I think that it's, you know, it, it's, it's done. They're, I would be shocked, and I don't use that word unless I mean it. I would be shocked if they actually you know, really took the next step. Yeah, this is interesting because – 
they're clearly in a position, players that they have on the roster, salary cap, et cetera, uh, that this was going to be another, I don't want to say final hurrah or last hurrah, but it was definitely an all-in type moment for them. Uh, And for them to have the season that they did that was pretty up and down, and I was pretty down on them for most of the year. They make the change at offensive coordinator, seem to hit their stride and go on this this terror here to put themselves even in this position uh, to be hosting a divisional playoff game was pretty remarkable. Um, I, I do think that Josh Allen, he is a, a top tier quarterback in this league. It's a little frustrating to watch uh, some of the decisions that do get made uh, where it's kind of the uh, he's going for broke moment too often when there are some other opportunities and options available to him. I do think if you can find a way to kind of bolster up that wide receiver room far too often, though, the offense is just Josh Allen, do everything. You got to fit things into tight windows. You have to run the football. Often it's just Allen is going to do everything. So if you can find some other key key playmakers on the offensive side of the ball, maybe you have a little bit more balance and he isn't forced into those types of situations and those types of roles. However, are, do you have the cap space and the ability and the flexibility to get that done? On top of that here, I think Sean McDermott, there's been questions about him as, as a head coach, but I think no doubt this year solidified that he knows the defensive side of the ball with the amount of injuries that they sustained sustained uh, over the course of the season and to still have the defense playing the way that it was is certainly something to to point out and say hey that was that was pretty darn good about what the bills were doing defensively but they have a ton of free agents now on that side of the ball so there's a lot of question marks here just about the team that's around Josh Allen and how they're going to fit it all together Um, if you look though at the AFC East in general you know the Patriots are pretty far away from uh, you know, making a comeback. The Jets are who knows what they're up to. And so then you have the Dolphins. Are they the team that's going to be able to push the the Bills and make that next step? So if they're in a division that they can get some wins and, and get themselves into these situations continually, uh, you know, maybe something is going to happen for them. Something is going to click. But when Patrick Mahomes is still doing Patrick Mahomes things, sometimes you run into somebody in your career who you just can't get past. Um, I don't want to say never on something here, but certainly the evidence is starting to suggest it's getting increasingly more difficult. The only thing I'd really push back with you on that, I thought it was very well said, all all that, except uh, they've now won the division like five straight years. I don't think that matters. Uh, The thing that matters to me is I think at this point of of his career, I just don't think that Josh Allen is ever going to trade from the, as you mentioned, go for broke opinion or attitude, I should say. Uh, and when he just make a check down and that gives him a much closer field goal and they might've been mowing overtime if uh, he checks it down to the obvious, obvious target, which would have been an easy completion. Yeah. That was Dalton Kincaid, wasn't it? Correct. Or was it? Yeah. Yes. On the, th- on the on the third down play, which he chucked it, you know, he went deeper. And that was the first, that was the, e- that's got to be like the original play call there. I mean, you just can't, you just don't try to score a touchdown on every play. And that's never, 
ever changes from year to year. I just don't think he can change the mentality. When the game's on the line, he just goes back to that. And oftentimes, when the game's on the line, especially in a couple of these playoff losses, that has doomed them and crushed them. I just don't think it's going to ever change. Many coordinators, and it still hasn't changed. The masses here, they've been flipping back and forth between the yes and no side of things. And right now, yes is out in front. 52% of the vote, no sitting at 48%. That was the KDOS1060.com poll question. Tossing this on over to X at KDOS AM 1060. Should the 49ers be concerned about Brock Purdy's shaky performance in the rain against the Packers? Uh, I'm going to say yes here, that it was very clear how uncomfortable he was out there when some of the throws were just really, they were either high, they were either low and, and um, short bouncing him in. There, that one amazing camera work where he's uh, in his drop back and he has the ball in his left hand and he's wiping his hand on the uh, towel with his right hand before he switches it to his right hand. Clearly that was was bothering him. So, you know, not everything moving forward is going to have rain. As we pointed out, it at this point in time is supposed to be a nice sunny day on Sunday when they play and host the Lions. So no problems there. But I do think uh, that... The Ravens caused some issues with him on Christmas Day, and that kind of showed up in those particular moments. And then the the Packers had some good moments too. We also can go back to the Browns game earlier in the year with the Elements, um, and that's when they lost Debo and they lost uh, Trent Williams, but Brock Purdy didn't have a great game in that particular situation. However, he gave them an opportunity to win that game in the clutch there. Yeah. He did the exact same thing um, yep. Sunday or Saturday, leading them down what ended up being the go-ahead game-winning winning drive there. So there is some like clutch genes and clutch elements to, to find a way to get it done, even though you've been struggling all game long. Um, I'm just a little bit, you know, can Shanahan do something differently to, to help Brock in those particular moments and get the ball into the playmaker's hands uh, to kind of shield some of that? Um, but yeah, I think there is some, some things that have presented themselves that you have to look at. I think there are two bigger concerns here, at least for the upcoming week. Uh, Debo, who clearly, just based on the early part of the game, when he was like the guy they were targeting in the you know, first you know, you know, series or two before he got hurt the first time, uh, whether he's going to be playing or not, they say 50-50 is what I heard this morning, but we'll see how that goes. He makes a big difference to them, and uh, that would be a, he'd be, you know, considering the Lions have had problems with guys with yards after the catch, uh, I would think that, uh, you know, that would, he, he, should, he could have a monster game this week if he's healthy. The other thing, and I think this is even more, whether it's bad weather, whether Debo is playing or not, it doesn't really matter. If their offensive line doesn't do a far better job of run blocking and pass protecting, then uh, what we saw on Saturday against the Packers, it's not going to matter who the quarterback is. The masses are on the yes side of things here at 52.6% of the vote, no trailing at 47.4%. That's over on X at KDOS AM 1060. Once again, you're going to have the Lions and the 49ers um, playing in the NFC championship game, and then you'll have the Chiefs and the Ravens playing in the AFC championship game. Once again, you have... 
first round quarterbacks, and then you have Brock Purdy. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was not a first round. He was only six rounds after that. Correct. But you know what? <laughs> if you're good enough to play, you're good enough to play. Absolutely. We will wrap it up on the other side Tom of Brady. Tom Brady, sixth round, right? Sixth yeah. round, I think it was. Sixth okay. round. He did okay. He did okay. Not too shabby, that guy. Yeah. I think his career turned yeah. out all right. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> we'll wrap it up on the other side of the break. Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Wrapping up this Monday, January 22nd edition of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Bob, it's thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports, an analysis of the, uh, the uh, divisional playoff weekend with Frank. Also on Tuesday at 10.15, uh, scheduled to be joined by the Athletics, or he may be athletic too, but the Athletics, uh, uh, Doug Haller, uh, who uh, among many stories uh, wrote a tremendous piece about the U of A-UCLA basketball rivalry as far as their Pac-12 history, etc. And we'll get into that with Doug tomorrow and also some Valley sports, I'm sure, with Doug also, of course, covers Valley Sports for the Athletic. Sound of the day, courtesy of CBS, Fox, NBC, ESPN3 TV, and ESPN2. Also, special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from 1 to 3 p.m., it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5. The Sports Day with Dave Rooster, Beerstein from 5 to 6. Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7. And James Out West from 7 to 8 tonight. The Suns, they're hosting the Bulls tonight, 7 p.m. on 3 TV. Also, according to Fox Sports, 37.5 million viewers watched the Packers at the 49ers game. It ended up being the most watched telecast on any network uh, since the 1994 Winter Olympics taking place on a Saturday. I think the 1994 Winter Olympics was the ice skating with uh, Tanya yeah. Harding and uh, Nancy Kerrigan. Oh, my God. Oh, I remember that. The Nancy Kerrigan, that whole, the, the, long before the, uh, that, that I remember I was like on the air when one of those one of those Kerrigan stories broke about the Tanya Harding was oh god that was that was that was not my favorite hour of being on radio I mean really well I'm sorry to have brought that up to end our time uh, together here on a Monday. Uh, uh. <laughs> See if I can sleep tonight. <laughs> the Raiders have named Antonio Pierce their next head coach, taking off that interim tag. That'll do it for this Monday edition of Extra Point. Everyone have yourselves a fantastic rest of the day. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp with you tomorrow starting at 10 a.m.